Hey, everybody. Welcome to this week's episode of Red Pill Your Healthcast. My name is Dr. Charlie Fagenholtz, and I'm here with Lauren Johnson, your favorite nurse. And so we're going to continue talking about pharmaceuticals this week. Last week, we did statins and blood pressure. This week, we're going to take a dive into proton pump inhibitors, which is medications that are prescribed for acid reflux, which a lot of people have. And in this episode, we're going to talk a little bit about the medications. We're also going to talk a little bit about the causes of acid reflux um, so that you can listen and digest it in a very digestible way. Um, because Lauren and I have both experienced this in our uh, health histories. And this is kind of what got me um, into natural medicine, so to speak. So let's start out by some of the statistics of proton pump inhibitors. Lauren, what do the people need to hear about it? Yeah, I mean, so proton pump inhibitors are one of the most commonly prescribed drugs out there, ranging from infants to um, adults. Um, and you, you'll you see in the literature that it they should not be given long-term, but un unfortunately they are given long-term and they, are, they will still be given long-term because it's very hard to get patients off of them. Yes. Um, a patient will try to go off of them and they will just feel absolutely miserable. Um, and so that is one thing that we're going to, we're going to talk about today is that, you know, it is really hard to go off of them. Here's why, here's, here's one of the reasons why they shouldn't be given long-term and then, um, and then what you can do about it instead. You know, I was at a, a seminar once, um, I'm at a lot of seminars, but the one that I'm referring to, I was listening to this doctor speak and my question to him was, he was talking about digestive health. I said, um, how do you get patients off of proton pump inhibitors? And he kind of laughed and he said, ah, proton pump inhibitors, the devil reincarnated. That's oh. what he's. Oh no. And it's, oh, no. it's, it's because, yeah, it, it's, it's because what you're doing is you're setting yourself up for every chronic disease known to man. Yeah. And I mean, the, I mean, we spend $14 billion on PPIs annually. Yep. Do you know, okay, how expensive it is to get PPIs over the counter at, at the drugstore? I mean, it's like $24 for like a two week supply or something like that. Yep. It's crazy how much people are spending on this. And I did it. I was one of them. Same. Um, and, and, and then you're going to be on that for the rest of your life, but it's like, well, why? And when there's other things you can do and find the root cause, um, so PPIs, as you were saying, PPIs cause, like they can cause a whole lot of different things because they suppress your stomach acid and you need yep. your stomach acid, right? Oh, absolutely. I, I would say, um, it might be the most important substance in your body. Maybe, I mean, you can argue your blood's important and everything, you know, has its, its place, but if you are not digesting food, you can't repair no. And if you, and if you don't have enough stomach acid, you do not have your initial defense against microbes like parasites and all the other stuff that we rant about all day long. So it's, extreme, yeah, it's extremely important to have a, uh, functioning stomach. The stomach technically is not where your digestion starts. Cause it actually starts in your mouth with saliva and smelling your food. But what smelling does is increase your digestive enzymes, which is, um, stomach acid, pancreatic enzymes, all that type of stuff. And so to say that digestion starts in the stomach 
isn't totally correct, but I would say that it's probably the most important phase of digestion because if that ain't working properly, nothing downstream will work properly. Yeah. Yeah. And that's the thing that they don't get. Um, they don't, and they're not connecting the dots, how it's all connected. But when we see that um, PPIs, as well as H2 blockers like famotidine or Pepsid or Tagamet, they decrease acid production. They change the pH of the gut. They increase the risk of SIBO, um, mm-hmm. small intestinal bacterial overgrowth, and other bacterial infections like C. diff. Tell us about that. Yes. So this one's near and dear to my heart because I had C. diff in college and I was... I'll, I'll go into my story a little bit. Um, <clears throat> I was placed on proton inhibitors when I was 19 years old. And when I was a senior in college, so about two, three years later, I woke up in the middle of the night, my wife, who was my girlfriend at the time, uh, was sleeping over. And it was about three or four in the morning. And I remember waking up. I remember going to sleep with this weird little digestive feel, which I was sick all the time. So it didn't really, uh, it didn't alarm me but I woke up with the worst gut pain ever to the point where I had, I was bearing down so hard that my eyes were tearing because I was shutting them so hard. That's how much pain I was in. And I woke up, it was about, I think it was three, four in the morning. I said, Andrea, you have to take me to the hospital right now. I, I just knew I had to go. And so we were rushed to the hospital at university of Iowa. Um, they put me on, uh, morphine and things like that and did some stool samples. And a week later, um, it came back as C. diff, C. difficile colitis is what they told me. And they're like, man, I wonder where you got C. diff from. Mm-hmm. Have you been in, in doctor's offices or hospitals or anything? I'm like, no, I, I haven't. And at that time, that's what they thought it came from was cross-contamination in hospitals and things like that. And then years later, what's one of the side effects of proton pump inhibitors is an increased risk of C. diff. Yeah. Um, and when I tell you it was painful, it was the most pain I've ever been in, in my whole life. I mean, it is a painful pathogen it is. and, and, you know, um, it sucked <laughs> and I'll never forget yeah. that. And so whenever I see patients come in on proton pump inhibitors, emotionally, I have kind of a, uh, attachment to really want to get them off it, um, because I know where it's taking them and I don't want anyone to ever experience that. Yeah. And I will say I've been on them too. I did not have that experience. Um, but I did know. I knew I was a nurse practitioner when I had to go on them. I, my acid reflux came on, started a little bit with my first pregnancy, but really wasn't bad, but it really started, um, about a year, about a year after my first pregnancy, I had just got done weaning my first child from nursing. And as you know, my health plump really plummeted after I weaned my second child from nursing, but that moment was after my first child from nursing. I started on, I started having really bad acid reflux, started on proton pump inhibitors on Zantac. And I was, it was resistant. I had a scope, it was negative. And I knew I did not want to be on them long-term because I knew I wanted to have another baby. And I knew I, I shouldn't take them while, uh, and you shouldn't take them while pregnant, even though I do Correct. still think that they will give them to pregnant women sometimes because yep. they can cause a not, uh, congenital defects. Um, and so I was like determined to get off of them and got off of them. I don't (laughs) recommend it. Um, it was a slowly, slow thing. I don't recommend typically how I do it, how I did it, but I use something called switchel and I'll put the recipe for it, um, in in the show notes, but basically it's apple cider vinegar, lemon, honey, uh, honey is optional. uh, And then 
you peel and boil ginger with some water. And wow. basically I drank a hundred ounces of it a day and was able to get off of it. But PPIs long-term are linked to dementia. They are nope. linked to bone density issues. <laughs> what else? Uh, they're linked to, oh, a, a 200% increased risk of pneumonia in children. That's a new one for me. I haven't heard that one before, but um, obviously osteoporosis, osteopenia, because let's just take a step back. If we don't have nutrients, protein, because you, you digest protein through stomach acid and minerals, your minerals need an acidic environment like your calcium and magnesium. If you don't absorb that, what does it lead to? Every type of mineral deficiency. So osteoporosis, we want to get you guys just to think through the process a little bit. Um, and, and really what I see is an increase in autoimmunity. And the reason why I say that is because when you don't have enough stomach acid, you get more allergies. Mm. And you, now they're coming out and saying that people who are on proton pump inhibitors are twice as likely to be on um, uh, histamine blockers and allergy medicine in the following years. Now, the reason why is because by definition, uh, I talked about in my membership, what, what is an allergy? An allergy is an undigested protein that your body is attacking. And so when you are not absorbing properly, you have all these uh, proteins floating around in the gut that aren't absorbed. The body looks at it as an issue. And so it, it fights it off. It creates inflammation. And now you have no more defense mechanism against your environmental allergies. And so it's really a genius game plan on pharma because it's just a medication that's going to get you onto other medications and you're going to become a very uh, trusted customer. And that's where I was. I was on seven meds uh, when right. I was 31 and they were acid reflux meds. They were um, ibuprofen was almost daily and mm -hmm. multiple allergy meds. And I was spending a good amount of money on those things. <laughs> And I wasn't and, getting any better. And, and, um, and look at where, look at where you've come since then you're yeah. on Instagram, crushing it, talking about <laughs> acetaminophen affecting the liver. Um, what oh, an awesome I journey. I saw a new study about that today and how it induces hypotension mm. and okay. That's, a, that's a rabbit trail. It is very <laughs> interesting, very interesting stuff. I need to do a post on it anyways. Okay. Proton pump inhibitors, they deplete vitamin B12. They deplete mm -hmm. vitamin C, calcium, iron, and magnesium. Magnesium is a big one. And you need magnesium for that uh, good sphincter control uh, yep. that you have right there. It, you, magnesium, I find that most people are deficient in. And mm -hmm. it is something that I mean, stress will deplete it. And there's other things that will deplete it. So that's something that it just compounds the problem. Absolutely. And so um, when we get, let's get into some of the causes of, <clears throat> of acid reflux. The first question you need to ask yourself, are you having acid reflux on an empty stomach or with food? And 99% of people are going to tell you with food. And that is not too much acid. That is too little acid. That means you're not breaking down your food. <clears throat> it's sitting in your gut and it's creating lactic acid, which comes up the esophagus. And that's the burn you feel. It is not stomach acid. It is not. And so if, if it's the opposite and you have burning all day long, then you start thinking more too much acid possibility of ulcers. And that's a whole nother treatment protocol. So um, let's talk a little bit about what causes acid to reduce pretty much the standard American lifestyle. Yeah. Stress in, in a nutshell. Yeah. As you age, there are two substances after the age of 35, even less in my opinion, because of how stressed this world is. Um, there's two substances in your body that decline with age. That's stomach acid and glutathione. 
yeah. probably the two most important thing yeah. things for you, honestly. And so, um, so that takes a role into it. Um, one of the things that's interesting, and I know not everybody's into the blood type diet and stuff, but there's, there's mechanisms of the blood type diet that the reason why they say things are good for blood types that I really like. And one of them is stomach acid levels. And the second most common blood type, type A, are prone to low stomach acid. And mm-hmm. so that's a really fascinating thing too. And whenever someone has really bad acid reflux, I'll usually ask them if they're, uh, what their blood type is. And I'd say more than 50% of the time, people say I'm a type A blood type. I'm a type A. <laughs> I'm a type A as well. I mean, think about it, you know, like you'll, you'll start asking people and it's not hundred percent of the time. Cause nothing ever is because the ones who have the highest stomach acid are type O's, which is the most common. And those are the meat eaters. They should be meat eaters. Um, but they can have acid reflux too, because they live a stressful lifestyle. They, you know, could have dysbiosis. They have all right. the stuff that can cause it. So it's not like a gold standard. If you have this blood type, you're never going to get this issue. It's just, uh, what you're prone to, which is really fascinating for me. I, I find that stuff real fascinating. Yeah. And it's interesting if say, say my, my dad or say some, some random person goes to the doctor and they say, I, have some, you know, I, I feel like something's going on in my stomach. I didn't feel quite right. Doctor might do some testing. They probably won't. And they'll probably put them on a PPI. They'll just say, mm-hmm. Hey, let's just try this. See if it works. The patient takes it for two weeks and then they decide to go off of it. Cause they feel better. What's going to happen as soon as they go off it, they're going to feel a lot worse. Mm-hmm. And so even if there wasn't a big problem beforehand, now they think they need it because the, it causes rebound reflux when you go off of it immediately even if you're just on it for two weeks you really like you really don't want to go off of it right away because you want to slowly go down on it because it will cause that rebound reflux but then we have people all the people thinking that they need it and it's not necessarily the case and you know i i would really wonder how much of that is placebo yeah that they're taking a pill that came from their real doctor their medical doctor you know those rds they they really have the street credit um and you know, there's so many studies showing that people get placebo pills of sugar pills or whatever, and they feel better than the pharmaceuticals. So it's like, uh, this is just a question that I'm asking. I'm not saying that we know the answer. I know the answer, but this is where my mind goes with that type of stuff. Um, I didn't feel like it helped me that much, but I knew I needed to be on it because that's what you did. Exactly. Um, I didn't feel like it was that helpful. Zantac, I did notice a difference, but again, and I, but there was a point where I was on Maxo Zantac I mean, and I, I was still having resistant acid reflux where I was taking max dose Tums every single day. Yes. And so that Man, is Tums. I used to think those were candy. I know. Right. I mean, I did too. And so it's, it is, it's, it's just, there's so much more you can do and to actually address the problem and to make it so it's not an issue. And, For- and now today I don't have acid reflux at yep. all. And so it is something that I never thought I would be here. And it's, and it's, it's something that's possible. Absolutely. And so um, here's a clinical pearl that I will say is a lot of times it's a gallbladder issue. Yes. And the reason why that is from a chemical standpoint is what is the gallbladder release? It releases bile, which digests fats and gets rid of your estrogen and your yeast. But what is what is bile? It's alkaline. And so if this, it gets a two lane highway. So if the stomach does not have enough stomach acid, the gallbladder will not dump bile because it doesn't have to alkalize anything. 
But then on the flip side, if the gallbladder isn't working properly, then the stomach is like, well, I'm not going to create this acid because it's going to burn the small intestine. So I'm going to stop creating acid. So it's a really a two lane highway. And so Lauren and I have talked a lot about gallbladder. We talked about estrogen dominance. We talked about candida. We talked about all the stuff that clogs your bile. Um, And most times, honestly, I find that it's more of a gallbladder issue than a stomach issue. Um, And think about pregnancy nausea and acid reflux in pregnancy. What helps that? Digestive enzymes, which have to have gallbladder enzymes in there like choline and beets and sometimes ox bile. P5P, B6, which helps with degradation of estrogen and phosphorus, which also helps with that same process. So um, I'm hoping that we're breaking it down just to to make it a little more easy to understand. So um, one thing we didn't say is H. pylori is a big issue too. Yeah. And H. pylori is a stomach bacteria that a lot of people will say that it's you know, it is part of our good flora. So we have to find out why did it turn toxic? Is it glyphosate and pesticides? Is it radiation from EMF? Uh, it could be all of that stuff, but if it's there, you have to deal with it. And so, uh, the conventional treatment is what for antibiotics, a a bunch, so much antibiotics. And, And I've seen so many people with H pylori, um, and I will get to the products that I've seen work clinically. Um, but you have to understand what H. pylori does is it shuts off your stomach acid and also makes ulcers in your stomach. And so if you ever have an ulcer, the first thing I would check is H. pylori. Absolute first thing. Another clinical pearl is if you have an ulcer, that means you're already in stage three of adrenal failure. So it really comes down to stress in your life. Um, that's a Hans Selyer, uh, general adaptation syndrome. It's a great concept to look up, talks about the stages of stress and how he says in the very end stage, your gut just wreaks havoc and you develop ulcers. All right, let's talk. So, um, let's start with, uh, getting off of proton pump inhibitors. Yeah, and yeah. You, you talked about, you're going to put in the show notes, uh, that cocktail that you made and, and gingers. Cool. Are- and I don't think that there's any, like I took it when I was pregnant. So I don't think yeah. there's any big risk with that one. It's ginger and apple cider vinegar. I, I do like apple cider vinegar, mm-hmm. but I do not like it straight. Please do not go take shots of it. That is yeah. caustic to the esophagus. Yeah. Don't do that. Um, and it's, and that actually can be, make it make acid reflux worse for some people. Cause it can be so irritating. So I do recommend diluting it. This was in like a big picture I made. And so it is definitely, and that's a good test that like, that's a good test to see. Is it too little, too much acid? If you take, if you take apple cider vinegar diluted in water and it helps you, you already have, it means you have low stomach acid, but if it hurts you, you could have too much acid or Another thing that people don't talk about is you could have too much candida yeast because fermented foods a lot of times will feed that process. Yeah. Have you ever heard of the baking soda test? I know uh, if you use it and it, you know, it can help with acid reflux, but that's all my knowledge of it. Is that what you're trying to say? You can use it to detect the um, acid. I'll put it in the show notes, the instructions. Um, But basically that's something that some people will do to detect if they have too Too much. much or too little. Yeah. So it's basically the same thing as apple cider vinegar test, but a little different. Basically. Um, Okay. So other things that you can do for acid reflux, mix a teaspoon of slippery elm powder with a little Mm. cold water, then add in some hot water and you can repeat that as needed. Um, You can also use some chamomile tea, marshmallow root. I love making herbal infusions. And what I do is just put, I get some organic loose leaf marshmallow root 
and put it in a big mason jar. I do one to two tablespoons and then I pour hot water over it and then top it off, you know, with the top and then leave it for four to 12 hours. And then after that, you just strain it out and you can sweeten it if you want. Um, put ice in it, whatever you want to do. And it is a great way to get some good herbs, some good minerals from these herbs. And that marshmallow root is great for the gut. Um, lemon that. balm and peppermint are also helpful. I would say during pregnancy, digestive enzymes, chiropractor and slippery elm powder are all safe. And yep. then what are your thoughts on the D DGL? You're going to have to say the word. I'm not going to butcher it because I can't say it just as much as you can't say it. Um, but it is a good herb. It's deglycerinated, I believe, licorice. I think that's how you pronounce it. Um, it is different than licorice root. So just know this licorice root is more for stress hormone. Yeah. So when people have adrenal fatigue, that means that you have produced cortisol for so long that your body is resistant towards it. So it stops producing it and stops using it. So you get exhausted and, and all that type of stuff. What licorice root does is it stops the breakdown of cortisol to recirculate it to help give you energy. DGL is an is a different thing that has more of an affinity towards healing the stomach and it helps against H. pylori, but it helps with leaky gut and gut inflammation. So do not get licorice root and DGL confused. Two totally different um, uses. Is there now, any is there anybody who shouldn't use something like DGL? Um it could increase your blood pressure. So if you have really high, high blood pressure, yeah. um, because think about it, like, what is it doing? It's changing your stress hormone. And for people with that have adrenal issues, they usually have low blood, uh, blood pressure. And so licorice can help increase that blood pressure for you, which then helps with that dizziness, vertigo type feeling of getting up too quickly. Everyone's like, Oh, I get dizzy when I get up. It's because your blood pressure is too low and that's yeah. an adrenal pattern. Yeah. Um, okay. So uh, I also like aloe juice. I think aloe juice is great. Um, you can get it. I like Lakewood or, you know, anything that you can get that's legit from the store. Sipping that is great. Um, I love ginger. You already talked about ginger, so I don't want to repeat it too much, but that's phenomenal. Um, and then if you do have ulcers or if, if, if you're trying to come off proton pump inhibitors, there's two things that I like to do. One, which is uh, in our full scripts, it's called Biotics Research Gastrozyme. Gastrozyme is one that has cabbage and vitamin A in there. It also has a little bit of chlorophyll in there. That helps soothe the stomach lining quite well. Even if it's lactic acid, it still soothes it. Um, and then, or you can just go get organic cabbage and juice it and drink cabbage juice. That's a really good one for soothing the gut. You can do cabbage and aloe juice together. Um, and then uh, if there is H. pylori, my three favorite ones, number one overall, Golden Thread Supreme excuse me, everyone knows I talk about um, berberine, but golden thread is not just berberine. It's all the cofactors with berberine. It has um, some other stuff in there that has way more therapeutic benefits than just berberine alone. Um, I will throw in Vervita black cumin oil in that. That's really good for healing the gut and it's great for H. pylori. And then another one from that same brand is Vervita cleanse, K-L-E-N-Z. The reason why that one's good is because it has two herbs in there that are antimicrobial, but are really good against H. pylori specifically, oregano and uva ursi. And uva ursi is one that most people don't think of for H. pylori, but it is great. I find it works awesome clinically. And my mentor, Dick Versendahl, who created those products, his brilliance was you know, he put all these different ingredients together, which for some people don't make sense, but if some people 
learn how the body works. It does. So he put uva ursine oregano in there knowing that it will kill H. pylori. But what does H. pylori do? Creates ulcers. So what else did he put in there? Arrowroot and carbamide. And those two together in studies have shown to heal 93% of ulcers, um, which is phenomenal without any other work. Uh, so that is cleanse. So those are my top three, cleanse, golden thread, and black cumin if H. pylori is present. Okay. So we've given you several options for what to do if you have acid reflux, but something to think about if you are having acid reflux daily and you're needing these types of solutions daily, what is causing this? And there's the other things that, you know, at play, I would say that parasites are probably a, a a factor. Now, when you have less stomach acid, you're more likely to get parasites Yep. And it'd be an overbalance or just like a, an infant, it's just out of balance. Everyone yep. has parasites, but it just becomes out of balance. Yep. And so that is where you would need to address parasites. And Dr. Charlie has a great video in his membership on parasites that I 100% recommend. I've seen it. It is great information. Um, and so that is something that I would, I would go into there. And and one last thing I will say is um, gastro digest from Vervita is a very broad spectrum digestive enzyme that helps the stomach and the gallbladder simultaneously. Um, as you age, you do lose stomach acid. So I use quite a bit of it in people, uh, above the age of say 50, um, with their meals, because it is the natural aging process to lose your stomach acid. And we don't want that to happen. I do use it during pregnancy with patients. Uh, my wife who's pregnant right now and going to give birth, could be any minute now that close. And so she's been taking gastro digest. She took it with her, her first pregnancy. Um, that is my go-to whenever I eat a large meal and, and I eat a bunch of beef. I love my steak. If you follow my Instagram, you know, I post meat pictures all the time. Um, and if I do have a 16 ounce ribeye, I'm taking a couple gastro digest with that to help my body assimilate all that. Cause I don't need 16 ounces of red meat in a sitting. I just like it. I know it's overeating and overeating is just as bad as under eating. And so that is uh, one of my go-tos as well. On top of what Lauren just said, get to the root cause of everything and then use that as needed. Yeah. And I will say, and I use uh, digestive enzymes as well. I also well for kids. I do have a favorite digestive enzyme. Um, kids, you may just notice like a chronic, like little tickle in their throat or a little Mm -hmm. clearing of the throat that can be acid reflux. And so that's something to think about, especially if you have a child that chronically clears their throat or has a, a silent cough or anything like that to to think about, um, acid reflux. Absolutely. Um, I think we nailed it. I think that we, we talked about, things that can cause acid reflux, you know, why we should double guess being on that medication in the first place. Um, all good stuff. And it's, it's a very simple concept with profound benefits. Yeah. And if, if I can say anything is please, please don't go off of it, especially I will say, um, there are people that the conventional medicine says you have to be on a, Mm -hmm. a PBI for the rest of your life. And that's something like Barrett's esophagus. Yeah. I, what are your, what are your thoughts on that real quick? I'm, I'm, I'm still going over all the stuff that we used. I'd rather yeah. use the stuff that okay. we did over okay. any of that. And I would say to do that with your provider and to know that like there are other options, but 
they're like the conventional medicine doctors are not going to like that. No, <laughs> no. So don't just immediately stop at PPI. I, I will never support them because of what they can do in the body long term. Um, but I will say that you really do have to go really slow and you should check with your provider. Yes. And one last thing that I'll say is how Lauren just said that, you know, your, your primary or <laughs> excuse me, your RD, your real doctor, <laughs> will not give you, will not be nice to you when you say you don't want to take that, but it's time that we stop listening and we start learning. And that's what this podcast is about is learning so that you don't have to blindly listen. And so we hope that this is helpful. Um, We, we have been getting really good feedback. We're so grateful for all of you uh, for listening because we're just getting started. We've only been doing this a few months um, and uh, we are enjoying it thus far. So Thank you all for listening. You guys have a merry, merry Christmas. Have a great holiday with your family. And we'll probably be back next week unless yeah. my wife gives uh, birth in the next yes. few days. Then we <laughs> might have to delay it a week. Yeah. And I just wanted to say, just as my final disclaimer, this is not meant to be medical advice. It's meant to be educational. Please check with your healthcare provider before changing anything. We are so thankful for you guys. We are so thankful for this podcast to be able to talk like this and just to be able to talk things out. Um, It's been a really great thing. And so we hope you have a very Merry Christmas. And we hope Andrea has an awesome delivery and everything (laughs) goes really well. Absolutely. And we'll see you all on the next one. All right. Bye, guys.